I feel like there is this huge abdication of the parenting role into the school system. Exactly. And talking with other parents, it frustrates me that they look at me almost as being too hands-on. And, and <laughs> one of the things that I find is, you know, from some of the reading and the research that I've done is school used to be you show up and you learn a skill. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. it's almost like we expect our schools to teach values and ethics and cultural things. And you can't possibly. Um, so I think that t- to your point exactly is that th- these teachers, I mean, they can't win. <laughs> Hi and welcome to all our fellow dads out there. My name is Tom Kingwell and I'm the host of this podcast and along with Bert Kutzer, we are the founders of the Dad Syndicate. Here at the Dad Syndicate, we are really stoked about creating a community of men and fathers that want to raise themselves first so they can help their kids become confident and successful and purpose-driven adults, people that take action and contribute to society positively. We don't want to raise kids that have to recover from their childhood but thrive because of the way we step up and we own our roles as parents and as fathers. So we all know the world needs better fathers. So come and join us on this journey and let's do this. Here we are again, the Dad Syndicate Podcast, and today I'm joined by my friend, Joshua. How are you doing? I'm doing real well, man. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a busy, busy time. Uh, getting back to school, preparing the week, getting kids stuff done, children's parties, I don't know, you name it. Everything's happened this weekend, and um, and also doing in between some some heavy lifting due to somebody setting <laughs> me that, so that's been... It's been a lot of fun, man. I'm, I tweaked my back a bit, so I didn't think I was going to be able to pull those exercises off. But uh, how you been this week? Uh, doing really well. I was uh, away for the, the latter part of mm-hmm. the, 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 the beginning of the week and then came back to work for a few days, had some excitement there. Mm. It's interesting. Um, it sounds like maybe even you guys over in Europe and, and even in the States, they start school a lot earlier than they do in Canada, I guess. Um, our kids don't go back to school until the first week of September. So mm. it's been interesting to see everyone getting ready for back to school and and uh yeah we got a few more weeks left of chaos with the kids before they get settled into chaos at school yeah it's interesting you say that because actually in germany it's different in the different states so for instance i actually live in bavaria but actually teach in hessen and in hessen the kids actually went to school last week but i'm in a private school so i start a week after them tomorrow but the bavarians only start school like you in september and only go on holiday in the beginning of august so it's it's kind of different everywhere Everywhere in Sounds Germany. like the Bavarians have it on lock. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know about this year. The weather's been a bit strange. So we've had like up and down weather. It's been quite good during the summer. Now it's kind of cooling down. So I don't know. But anyway, um, I thought that would be an awesome opportunity to get into school and talk about school, seeing I'm going back as a teacher tomorrow. And I didn't know that you actually were only going back in September. But I think that even those school starts different at different times. I think it's always good for parents to prepare themselves for the school year and talk about what the expectations are and what responsibilities parents are, are taking in, in that respect. So I thought it'd be very interesting because you and I shot a couple of messages back and forth last night and you said, oh, I'm not very experienced at that. And I thought that was actually a perfect opportunity to get into a discussion about this, seeing that your son is five 
or just turned five, I think, and then should be going to school next year. Am I correct? Well, he's going through the, so we have JK and SK. So he did junior kindergarten last year. He's mm -hmm. going into senior garden, senior kindergarten this year. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so next year he'll be in first grade and, and formally mm. into the public school system. But uh, wow. it, the, the junior kindergarten and SK is actually within the same school. So he's, it's a good, good opportunity for him to kind of get his feet wet, but it's a full day. It's not a half day mm. or anything like that. So it's, it's, and they start with some academics, you know, reading and writing and some some basic math and some science so it's, it's school mm. yeah it's just interesting i mean i'm a i'm obviously a parent of four kids you know i've got the eight-year-old twins and then i've got the three and a half year old and then the little baby and so my kids are going to grade three now it's gone so fast i can't actually believe it but it's quite interesting to have the parental perspective as this dad syndicate thing gets going it's kind of like a dad thing but then on the other hand i'm the teacher in the classroom so I've kind of got to see both of them and my kids go to the school I teach at. So I'm working with their teachers. And so it's very interesting to see the goings on and the happenings of the day and to really have that communication with their teachers and also to have a bit more of a background view of what actually happens at school. So I find myself being quite understanding because I am a teacher myself. I've been through it. But for someone like you who isn't a teacher and actually works in insurance in a totally different arena, and to have a little boy who's five who's going to go to school. I thought it was just interesting to speak about what you kind of expect of a school and then what responsibilities you, you take upon yourself. Because I think for me, being both, it's like I have to look at myself, okay, well, I'm a teacher in this role and I'm looking after other people's kids. And then I have to, you know, the expectations sometimes I have of the parents in my class because as a teacher, you expect things from parents actually. And as a parent, then you expect things of teachers. So how do you find yourself, even in a kindergarten situation the expectations you have of teachers educating your children and the responsibilities you on the other hand have yeah so going into the school system for the first year i i try as best as i can you know i'm probably a bit of a broken record but trying to go in with zero expectations and just sort of take it as it comes i i think my expectations uh, in terms of what I hope from a teacher, I, I like good communication. Uh, I'm fortunate that the school is fairly tech forward that my son is a part of. So they, we have like a, a group messaging. Uh, there's anonymous and then group chats between the teachers and the other parents, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I like that a teacher walks the walk. You know, I want to make sure that the teacher is following the kind of lessons that they're preaching and that they're teaching. That's important to me. But for the most part, at this age, it's patience and not overreacting. I think one of the challenges, so my son, who is, uh, I've talked about this before, he's a remarkable little dude, but he's he's a pain in the ass. He's a handful. I think I can hear and him right now, actually. Actually, that's my daughter, sorry. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, or probably a combination of the, of the two. But one of the things I find is at first they were overreacting a little bit, you know, it was, oh my gosh, he, he struggles with his emotions. He gets a little amped up. He's a bit of a monkey and turns to class mm. and they were instantly into, well, we need to meet with a speech language pathologist. We have to meet with a child social worker. We have to all these things. And, and that's fine. I went in open-minded, which is interesting because my son at five has the vocabulary of a 15 year old. So we weren't really sure where a speech language pathologist would play in and in the end they agreed with us not really sure why he was there but at first i think there was this tendency to overreact and then eventually they just sort of like slipped into the ebb and flow of you know helping caleb through some of these challenging things um so i guess really to answer as quickly as i can is good communication walk the walk uh, don't just talk the talk 
and let's try not to overreact to things that don't require overreaction. Mm. I think what happens, I mean, from my perspective, from the teacher's perspective, and not me personally, because I also have my own unique style, and that's something parents need to understand, that every teacher is a different teacher. Even though they might be in the same system, they're always going to have a different personality, and they're all going to walk a different walk. I definitely agree with that, that teachers need to walk the walk. And I think as a parent, it's hard to actually identify, are they walking the walk or aren't they? But a lot of people, you know, there's that old adage, you know, those who, those who do do and those who can't teach, you know. And, <laughs> and, and I don't like that because I really think that as a teacher, um, you need to step up in your own life and you need to be an example to the kids exactly as you say. But I think this overreaction of teachers is often a, a massive taking on of responsibility for your child almost more than you and I've never kind of understood that because I'm kind of going well you're the parent you know you gave birth to this child and yes I will give you advice and I will discuss with you and I will you know if I need to call you out on something and I need to email you about something I will do it but at the end of the day it's your choice so what happens is that some teachers really um, take the jobs really seriously which I think parents should be grateful for and often a misunderstand and think it's in a criticism of them as parents but the, but the teachers are trying to really help your kid so it's, it's quite strange for me when that does happen, but I do understand the motivation for why it happens. And I think it does take patience for you as a parent sometimes to come in and, you know, you know your boy, he's, he's gone to school, you've known him since he's, his birth, and you're used to his little idiosyncrasies and, for instance, his, his, his big vocabulary and the way that he is, and he's very active. As you mentioned, when he has jiu-jitsu, it's the same thing. Then he goes to school, and he's with another bunch of children that possibly are not behaving like that, and suddenly uh, a teacher might overreact and think, well, here we go. We've got this kid that's that's not fitting the norm and then think that they have to solve a problem. <laughs> so I think well, as it, parents, you have to be patient, yeah. Yeah, you touched on something that I was really glad that you went there because one of my biggest challenges is actually not with the teachers. I think our teachers are doing a fantastic job given the limited resources and given the environment mm -hmm. in which they're operating, but you touched on it. I feel like there is this huge abdication of the parenting role into the school system. Exactly. In talking with other parents, it frustrates me that they look at me almost as being too hands-on. And, and <laughs> one of the things that I find is, you know, from some of the reading and the research that I've done is school used to be you show up and you learn a skill. Mm -hmm. But now mm -hmm. it's almost like we expect our schools to teach values and ethics and cultural things. And you can't possibly. Um, so I think that t to your point exactly is that the these teachers, I mean, they can't win <laughs> because for every, every parent that says you're too hands on, there's going to be another parent that says, why aren't you doing more and vice mm -hmm. versa. So it's mm -hmm. not meant to be a criticism, but I really do feel like that's one of the biggest challenging with parenting, not to turn it away from teaching, but is so many parents are expecting the school system to teach their kids how to be good kids, how to be mm -hmm. productive members of society. And I feel that's that's the parents job first and foremost that's the family unit that's our own little culture scape that we create for our, our kids and then they should be able to take those lessons mm -hmm. and and use them in school to be effective learners and you know i'm i'm not a huge fan of the school curriculum but that's that's neither here nor there here it's, mm -hmm. i really would like to see parents start to own that component of their children's development and i think actually you'll find that the burden falls off of some of those teachers and then that's where it goes back to communication. You know, with the teachers, it really was, I love that one of the first questions they asked was, what, what kind of language and messaging are you giving to your son at home so that we can carry that forward here? As opposed to, here's how it needs to be done according to a book or a theory, change your parenting style. 
But I would really like to see parents start to take responsibility for that stuff, like the culture and the ethics and, and, and the way that they should interact as human beings. I don't necessarily feel that that's a school's responsibility. Yeah, well, me, on, on, as the same as you, I'm very happy you went there because that's exactly where I wanted this podcast to go. And I somehow love how it just goes that way, somehow with no plan whatsoever. But um, that is exactly what needs to happen. I mean, I'm a teacher and a parent, and I take full responsibility for my children um, as a parent at school. You know, I want the teacher to do their job, but I do trust the teachers. I do feel that they care about my child. I do know from a teacher's perspective, they're not perfect. But I'm never going to abdicate my responsibility for my children. And when they are showing up in negative ways to actually put that on the school or the teacher. And I find that that is really a negative thing in society at the moment is that especially at a private school like I teach at. And, you know, if someone listens to this, one parent listens to this and gets upset, you're only getting upset because the shoe fits, you know. <laughs> so there are parents who definitely, you know, play their role and go home and raise their children in a way that is going to pr produce uh, results and is going to make their child a worthwhile member of society and someone with manners and who treats people with respect. But then on the other hand, you get these parents who pay a lot of money, just ship their children off to us for the whole day from 8 o'clock till 4 o'clock, sometimes 5 o'clock every day, and virtually let us parent their child. And you become a psychologist and you're a social worker and you are a parent by proxy. And you end up dealing with way more than should be because we should be educating children and trying to teach them but a lot of it it becomes behavior management and attitude management and helping this child to be motivated because it's not really coming from home and then once again we have to just teach children how to re behave with each other now it, it creates a bigger picture that it looks like a bad picture it's not that bad but it does put a lot of responsibility on a, on a teacher that then makes it harder to teach because then you have to differentiate between each child so for instance if Caleb was in my school, I have to think, how is Caleb learning? What is his personality like? How do I res relate to him in that way? And when, for instance, his parents haven't taught him values and how to respect someone and are put, putting their, their responsibility on, on me to parent their child at school, I'm parenting 23 children at the same time. Now, I would, I would bet anybody to raise 23 kids and come out of it a sane person and be able to do the job properly, you know. And that's not just... That's not just for a couple of hours. I mean, that's as a class teacher of primary school, you are with those children most of the school day. You probably spend more time mm -hmm. with these kids than their parents do in a lot of respects. I mean, I, I know that's true of, of my children's teachers just by virtue of the fact that they're there to the, mm -hmm. to the bulk of the day, five out of seven days a week. Yeah. Um, most of the time that my kids are at home, they're either eating, transitioning from school to home to some homework to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting, you know, that the, the culture that we're in kind of has two extremes and we really moved towards this outsourcing culture, right? We have our yes. finances to keep. We hire an accountant. We are a little busy on the weekend. We might hire the kid down the street to mow our lawn. We take our cars to the, to the mechanic. And unfortunately, I think that attitude of outsourcing, which has value in a lot of aspects of life where you, your time is better spent doing other things, I feel like it's creeping into parenting. And, and really, it is outsourcing of parenting to a school system. And that's a shame. And then, you know, the, the opposite extreme is mm -hmm. the adage of if you want something done right, you do it yourself. And I think typically that's said in the context of because the other person's going to screw it up. But I don't, I don't believe that's the case here. I can't, I can't think of anything more critical uh, as a parent to making sure that you're giving your children the foundation and the building blocks to be uh, leading a successful and fulfilling life, why would you outsource that? And then 
more shockingly to me, if you choose to outsource that, the audacity to then complain to someone else about how they're doing it. I mean, that's the other piece. And I'm never advocating you hand it off. But mm-hmm. if you're not going to be involved in like actively involved, capital I, with your kid's development, mm-hmm. you then don't get to question the system you've outsourced that to. Mm, exactly. You know, and, and that's a tricky thing for me. Huh. You and I have talked about this at length, and it's difficult. And, and I think that par- look, look, parents are dealing with more than they've ever had to deal with in their past as well. At least they're... they're creating an environment where they feel like they have to deal with more. I think I think life can be pretty simple if you choose to make it so. But it's tough to balance all of the things. I mean, how many people that we know not only have a, a demanding job and the cost of living is getting more expensive mm-hmm. and we're also dealing with the noise of media and social media and all these things, mm-hmm. but then how many also have side hustles and all these other things? Not there me. Is more, there is a <laughs> lot more competition for our time. Yeah, for um, sure. And it, like all things, though, it really does come back down to a prioritization of what mm-hmm. matters. And yeah. if you're finding that you're not putting the quality time into raising your kids and you really are advoca- advocating, ad- <laughs> advocating, advocating, that role to you're doing a Brian advocate. Rogan, a Brian Rogan. I, I keep calling him Rogan. Um, Brian Grogan also was struggling with another one, but I think he was um, making up the word. <laughs> no, it was a good one. Um, but if you're abdicating that, something that is so critical. Um, you really have to look in the mirror, like like most things. But I mean, you and I talked about. I think you mentioned it was about. Uh, maybe it was you about. Do you do you read to your kids? And like, of course, I read to my kids. And then you push and go, okay, well, what do you read, or how do you read, or how often do you read? And and just so that we can track your kids' progress, can you write it down for us? And then the resistance that comes through, because all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not really reading. I'm every now and then we might pick up a book and I plow through it before they go to bed. That's different than reading. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things where I think we're, we feel like we're maybe doing the job, but we're just giving it a drive by. Yeah. I mean, I just think as a parent, you need to make those, like, as you touched on there, it's about the priorities, you know, and for me, the greatest priority in my life is my children. There's a lot of things related to the children and that obviously impact me being a good father. So we've talked about that in the dad syndicate ad nauseum, obviously about the seven arenas and stepping up like that. But at the same time, there is that actual, you know, direct involvement in your child's life. And I'm not going to hand that over to someone else. And the moment I blame someone else or have the audacity to blame someone else, I'm taking once again that extreme ownership. I'm taking it off myself and I'm putting it on someone else and I'm giving away my power and my control to a teacher and saying, well, you deal with it. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm kind of like, well, actually, you know, that's your child. You raised that child from birth. You still take them home. You still put them to bed. You still have a massive influence on them. And I see a lot of fathers stepping away, first of all, and handing it over to their wives very often. And then as well, not coming to school and not being part of it. So a lot of kids are not having their dads involved. And a lot of dads are just going, well, I'm paying money for this and are letting teachers replace them who obviously have 23 other kids to look after and then wanting the results from that situation. And the reason why I chose to do this podcast is I really like to appeal to dads and really like to tell dads from a teacher's perspective and a father for how essential it is that they get involved with that process, as you say, you know, to to give that over to someone else and then have the audacity. And I think I've, I don't know if I've said that to you before because it's almost like taking the words out of my mouth. I can't believe that someone's not involved. They take a backseat. Then things go wrong and they rock up and they go, hey, well, what's wrong with this? And why did this happen? Why did this happen? And do your job. And you're kind of like, well, 
where have you been? <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, and I just think that this whole, it's the balance. It's like we always talk about it. And I like that that's one of your themes that you talk about often when we talk about mindset because it's that balance of not being a parent that is so hands-on that the teacher's losing their mind because we have those as well <laughs> that are at the desk the whole day trying to come upstairs asking about every single grade. Every time their child sneezes, they want to know about it. That's obviously not the way we want it either. And then you obviously don't want these parents that are kind of laid back and just don't care, laissez-faire. So it's like finding that balance of being there and supporting the, the teacher. And so having that triangle between student, teacher, and parent, and everybody working together. And like you said, one of the huge things for me is that communication. And so those expectations that you have of the teacher, we as, as teachers have expectations of parents. And it gets very hard because it's a very different kind of it's the same relationship however the parent has put their child in the school it almost feels like they have a right to demand something of teachers but teachers don't have a right to tell parents hey listen here man can you please teach your child a b and c can you please teach your child to have some manners can you please teach your child not to come to to school and say f off to someone or whatever you know because that's what we're having to deal with at school and it's much harder to say to a parent well can you please do this? And I've, I've been in situations where I've had to basically say, listen here, I'm, uh, to be honest, it just seems at home you have no boundaries. So what is your feeling of setting boundaries at, at home? And then what kind of boundaries do you feel are appropriate and are beneficial to your son at school? So what is the nature of these boundaries and what kind of discipline structure would you, would you be happy with as a parent? So we're obviously a very boundary centric family. I mean, we want them to be responsible, you know, young kids and then to move into responsible adults. So we insist on manners. You'll notice if you, if you, and look, I'm going to, I'm going to shower some light on my kids because they are very wonderful. They're not perfect, but, um, (laughs) you know, people will comment within five minutes of meeting my kids, how they always say, please. And thank you for everything. Um, if you sneeze, they will say, bless you. Um, if they burp, they'll say, pardon me. Those are boundaries for us because we just think it's, it's responsible uh, and it's reasonable for them to, to be able to interact in a civil way in society. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries are, are tough. And I've had to have some tough conversations with my son because, look, I'll be frank. There are certain things, there are certain rules at my son's school that I don't necessarily agree with. But... I have had to say to my son, and, I, and I'm never sure if this is too unfair for him at his age, um, but he seems to be able to take it in, is I'll say to him, look, there are some things, and I'll be specific, this, that, or the other thing, that I don't necessarily agree with. Maybe they're not consistent with some of the rules that we have at home, but here's the thing. We're choosing to go to someone else's place of work. This is their business. This is where we go. And they have the right to set their rules. Mm. And sometimes we have to follow the rules just because, quite frankly, they're someone's rules. And that's okay. When you're in someone else's space, it's like if you're traveling abroad, you should honor the cultures uh, when you go mm. abroad. If you're visiting someone's Excellent home point, yeah. and you are like, you know, uh, <laughs> my, my in-laws have a <laughs> very beautiful home and it's full of art. It is not mm-hmm. kid-friendly. <laughs> it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. So there is very much a no hands on kind of anything rule over there. Mm-hmm. And I say to him, just remember like when we go to grandpa and grandma's where you can't touch stuff because that art is very expensive and means a lot to them. We don't have those same hands off rules per se at home, but that doesn't mean that those rules aren't right. It just means that it's time and a place. It's contextual. Mm. Um, 
So there's things at school where they'll say, well, my teacher said this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with them and I'll say, look, that doesn't necessarily mean that I agree or that mom agrees with what they're saying. But if they've identified that as a rule that you have to follow in class, then that's what you have to do. Um, and those are exceptions, of course. 99% of the stuff that they ask them to do are very, very reasonable. Um, so, so boundaries are, are consistent. Are, are, they need to be consistent, uh, at least in terms of authority figures. One of the things I find that if you... If you don't have boundaries at home and they're going to get them at, mm. at school, well, what's going to happen? They're actually going to learn that the students, or the, pardon me, the, the teachers and the principals, the administrators, they're the ones who are the disciplinarians who get to establish boundaries. Do not be surprised, please, and when your kids turn into teenagers that they don't respect any boundaries that you all of a sudden try to start putting in place. Mm. Um, there are things that we do to condition our children in terms of boundaries it's not because these things are critical life or death things now. Like I, I say to my son all the time, when I ask you to do something, I want you to do it right away. And I'll tell him, it's not because I need you to get up and put your shoes on right away because it's life or death. But when we're out in the street and I tell you to stop, I want you to stop because maybe a car is coming or maybe something is important to you. I do want there to be a bit of a conditioning around listen to the rules and understand why. So mm. consistency is key. I love, again, I mentioned before, I love that my school, one of the first things that they ask is what are the types of rules and boundaries that you use at home and how can we extend those nice. to school? I think that's critical. That's a good idea. Um, I mean, it's tough for a teacher to, you know, balance everyone's, because you could tell there are some kids whose parents are disciplinarians and there's others who are kind of feral children and everything in between. You don't say. Uh, my kids are probably <laughs> on the other spectrum of yeah. feral children. But, mm. I mean, boundaries are critical. And, and, and we've even talked about this in terms of, how to deal with challenging behavior. Because what's one of the first things we, we, we say when our children are misbehaving? We'll say, oh, they're, they're testing boundaries. Well, right, they test boundaries because they want to know where they are. Mm. Kids want boundaries. It provides guidance and structure, I think, in their life, and that's mm. why it's critical. So I 100% I, I am supporting of that. And I don't mind if a teacher is establishing these rules and boundaries. And yeah, to some, they may feel a little heavy-handed, but then you have to just decide. I'm choosing to send my kids to this place, this school, this whatever. And we're in public school. So it's not like we're, ooh, it's easy for you to say if you're in private school. My kids are in public school. But we're still making the choice on where we want them to live and where we want them to go. And if ultimately we disagreed with their approach to the point where we felt like we needed to make a change, then that's a decision we have to make. But in the meantime, we're still making a choice to send them there. And we have to respect the way that they run their business. And look, that doesn't mean that we can't have conversations and influence and try to change things because there's things I would love to change. Um, but in the meantime, don't just throw your hands up and say, well, I disagree with the way you're doing it. So you guys are all a bunch of schmucks. Um, you have to work within the boundaries and within the confines of, of what they're offering you. And I mean, that's life, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me as a parent and watching other parents, I think that if you don't set boundaries at home, and this is why this podcast is important for parents is because they want to often you know, get their backs up when something goes wrong at school and they wonder why their child is unhappy and their child feels like victimized by teachers. I'll tell you how to, how to make your child victimized by teachers have no boundaries at home. Because then your kid goes to school and they don't understand that adults that love them and care for them actually set boundaries for them. And then they start identifying the teacher actually just setting boundaries, which they are doing for all the children, is actually a, an insult to them or, or an attack on their personality. And they start feeling punishment. unhappy. Or a punishment, yeah. exactly. And they don't understand that that actually, well, you know, this is an adult in my life who wants me to succeed. I mean, all the guys I work with, all the teachers I work with definitely have that as a goal. 
I'm very happy. I'm very lucky to work with the staff like that. And I know my heart, no matter what I do, when there's a mistake, if I get angry, you know, if I make a wrong decision, my motivation, and I say that to parents at the beginning, my motivation is to get the best out of your child. Am I going to mess up? Yes, I am. But kids that come to school without those boundaries and with parents that are not showing them that someone that cares for them has to at times tell them, you know what, this is not the best way or, you know, you can do better. They get far more crushed by a reprimand or something than a child who has those boundaries and for me and my children what I do with them is that I let them know because we have boundaries they understand at home that I have expectations of them and we've discussed them and then they understand at school that their teachers care about them because you know what your child isn't the only one in the whole class you know what I mean your child is part of a class and when I'm sitting with your child alone somewhere that's fine we can we can relate in a different way a child can be noisy they can do what they want they actually have their own choice to a degree but when you're sitting in a class where other people's parents have also paid the same amount of money to learn and you're disrupting them, something has to happen. And so for me, my advice as a teacher and as a parent is really have those boundaries at home and let your children understand, hey, discipline and boundaries and these kind of things are good for you. That's life, right? And I want, and I don't know about you, Joshua, but for me as a father, my expectation is that school is preparing my children for a happy life, for a life where they can handle challenges. I've gone through some serious challenges that I would have fallen flat if I'd never faced any adversity as a child. So I'm almost grateful for the hardship that I had. Yeah, there's, it's funny to me in that we live in a, you know, a fairly uh, affluent neighborhood, uh, well, just just adjacent to where I live. (laughs) So we have a lot of kids that come to to our school that are doing quite well. And you can see they've got the newest shoes. They've got the best backpacks and the best gear, and they're they're fully loaded. Or you send them mm. to like to go to recess. They have the best, like I said, they have the best shoes. You send them to baseball. You're going to give them a glove. You're going to give them the shoes. You're going to give them the bat. You're going to give them all of these things. You're going to arm them with the with the tangible resources they need to thrive. You wouldn't send your children to school barefoot if you could help it. Yet, I'm amazed at how many parents send their children to school socially completely mm. incapable of handling those situations inept and that's why i view it it's, it's harder to see but I, I view it as the same thing as i wouldn't send my kid to school in the winter without a hat and a coat i can't send him into this complicated situation mm. with kids and all the different social dynamics that exist without arming him with as many resources as he possibly could have to navigate those things safely and healthy um you know you, you say you know providing a small amount of discipline to a child is quote-unquote psychologically damaging well maybe because the relative the counterpoint to that is this kid has never experienced any sort of discipline Mm -hmm. um and that's a challenge is that when the reality of the world differs so much from sort of the cocoon of home that's also dangerous you're outside the bubble and yeah so that might seem like to someone who lives in a bubble a common cold can be fatal it's kind of the same thing is that if you live in this sort of boundaryless everything's okay, you can do no wrong environment, the minute someone speaks sternly uh, to mm. your child, they're going to they're gonna reel and they're going to collapse because they're not able to handle mm. it. But I'll tell you, though, I am grateful for some of the evolution uh, of mm, school requirements because, you know, one of the things that I said very early on when we identified that Caleb was going to have some of the same challenges that I had in school is I did spend most of my primary school years uh, with a desk by myself out in the hallway. Oh, me and, too. <laughs> I didn't have a that, desk though. I just sat on my butt on the freaking cold linoleum floor. Oh so no, they they were like, "You're not welcome in class, so you're going to do everything that you need to do, but you're going to sit out in the hallway." Oh, and 
<laughs> that was psychologically challenging. It was isolating. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I told the teachers, I said, that's one thing that I will not permit to have happen is for him to be isolated. And whether that's physically isolated, but you can even isolate uh, someone in class psychologically by the way that you speak about them. Like they oh, had yeah. a, and I'll give them credit. Um, they had a, they had a board where it was essentially a, a, a scale and in the middle was sort of neutral and everyone had uh, clips, like uh, clothing clips with their names on them. And if you were having a really awesome day, the teachers would move the clips up. And if you were having a bad day, they would move them down. And I, and I think they, they intended these to be motivating things. But what was actually happening was Caleb was having some tough times. He was the only one at the bottom and all the other kids were up. And he noticed that. And the other kids noticed that. And he started to really we could see there was some anxiety building around this clip and this, this rating system that was so visual, but to their, to their credit, when I spoke to the teachers about it, uh, they understood and, and they, they took that system down. I mean, it's not, it's not like I needed to protect him from it, but it was, well, maybe I did, um, because I didn't think it was working. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't motivating him. It was actually collapsing him. And then he was becoming what, what the teachers admitted was that, Caleb was becoming the scapegoat for anything that was going wrong because they knew Caleb was at the bottom. So they, they would find kids blaming things on Caleb and he wasn't even anywhere near that situation. So they, mm-hmm. they, to their credit, they listened, they took the feedback and they adjusted it and they modified the scale because you still need to reward good behavior and, and show some, you know, um, some consequences of poor behavior. But um, it was not working and, and I appreciate that they listened. And I wasn't the only one that mentioned that. Usually it was the three boys. There's three of them that um, are shit disturbers and they would get together and they would cause ruckus. And <laughs> that's what was happening. Um, but it was actually, I found that it was actually um, making the behavior that they were trying to condition worse. So I give them, you know, we're, we can be critical or, or challenging of newer, quote unquote, new age teaching methods. But I, I am sometimes appreciative of the fact that mm my son is unlikely to find himself in a desk out in the hallway by himself. Cause those were to be blunt, lonely times for me. Um, and I think that it really, it did impact my self-worth. So I'm glad mm. that they've evolved from that. Um, but we also don't need to go to the complete opposite mm-hmm. extreme of kids glove and kid can do no wrong. It's that balance thing again, you know, not throwing out all the old school stuff, but just because it was old school and teachers didn't know how to relate to children in those days. And yes, put them out in the hallways. As I said, I was exactly. sitting out there so that the headmaster would find me in the corridor and then take me to his office. And we won't tell what he did there. Actually, no, I better say what he did there because that sounds even more suspicious. Then we used to get whacked. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, you get- we used to get hidings back in the day in South Africa. So it was quite, it was seriously different and definitely not what we want to go back to. But I definitely think that we've, We've kind of gone, we're starting to go in the other extreme without really research that you can base on empirical evidence now because there's no one that has come through this schooling system and then is an adult now. So we're going to have to see how this works out. But I just think as parents, you know, I as a teacher, I do take a lot of responsibility and my, my colleagues take a huge amount of responsibility. And I think that it should be a little bit less. I think that it should be you know, focusing on the curriculum, focusing on what we're teaching these kids and, and definitely getting ahead with that and taking responsibility for the academics, which you and I haven't even touched on yet because we've been talking about the other aspects. And I think that that, that happens because we aren't able to focus on academics as much because parents at home are not taking ownership. And, you know, we talk about the Stoic philosophy of, you know, the, the locus of control and, 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 and focusing on things you can control and not focusing on things you can't control. You know, you can't control a school system. If you send your child to a school, that's your control. You've chosen that school. Sometimes you have the unfortunate uh, situation of not having enough money to go and choose the school. 
But if you do choose the school, you know, that's your control. Once your child's in the school, you can't go and change every rule and you can't go and write the rule book for the whole school just to match your child. That's just a fact of, a fact of the matter. And as much as we as teachers would love to do that and love to differentiate exactly for every child, it's just not possible. But I think as fathers especially, um, a lot of dads are not taking this role and are not taking ownership and are not taking control of what they can control until it's too late. So once their child is like a teenager getting kicked out of school, then all of a sudden they arrive there, you know, fists waving and I'm paying this and how dare you. Uh, you know, get in there on the ground floor. Get in there like Joshua is. You know, when your son is young, get in the communication, talk to the teachers, start understanding the system and then also accept that some things are not going to be the way you want it. However, if you teach your child to be resilient, to bounce back, to focus, to commit, you know, and to work hard, it's such a simple thing. Just teach your child to, to be a hard worker and to value school. And that's one of the things, appreciation. A lot of children don't appreciate because the parents don't appreciate. And as parents, we need to model that appreciation of education. I don't agree with how schools are run completely because I think it's very much based on industrial revolution where children are still sitting 23 in a class. That's not really reflective of life, but as long as it is like that, I'm going to try and prepare my kids as much as I can as a dad to succeed in that environment. And if that means that they're going to be reprimanded sometimes, I want to prepare them for that. If they're going to have to face rules that I don't agree with and they don't agree with, I want them to be able to deal with that with grace and I want them to be able to deal with that in a way that they come out stronger because that's how life is. I mean, you know how it is, Joshua, just as adults. Every organization you're part of, your job, you don't like some of the things that, that, that are there that you have to wear. I have to wear ties at work. I have to wear slack sometimes. And yes, I've pushed against it and been a bit of a rebel. But at sometimes I have to just toe the line. You know, I can't go to school in flip-flops and, and, and board shorts. That's just the way it is. And to raise our children in a completely opposite way to the way the world is working, I think that's the, I think that's the crux of the matter. Is you want your child to be successful and you want to have as much impact. I want to have as much impact on my child's experience at school and for me, that starts and ends almost completely just with how I relate to my children, how I help them at home, how I teach them and give them boundaries, and how I relate to them. And then the communication, obviously, with the teachers and understanding that no teacher is perfect. And then I'm definitely not perfect as a father. You're not perfect as a father. So how dare we expect teachers to be perfect? And I think just work with teachers there, you know, and trust. I think it's a trust thing. You know, those teachers, anybody that became a teacher didn't make do it for the money. Trust me. And they've done it because they care and they want to do the best for your children. But they are social workers. We have become psychologists and we become mommies, daddies, grannies. I've been called it all, by the way, Joshua. I've been called every single name under the sun by kids because the kids do connect with you. And my promise to you as a teacher and as a representative of teachers is that we care for children. We're in this job because we want to do our best. So trust that support the teachers get to know your teachers it makes a big difference and and understand that you have a major role to play so dads we talk about it all the time step up own up grow up and be there at the beginning so that you are there at the end at the graduation looking and going you know well this actually turned out pretty well so joshua you want to end up on any any last words we're actually going to end on 40 minutes you know you and me have been incorrigible and and, and <laughs> i don't know where we, we are beyond help our teachers didn't teach us. We obviously, you know what happened? We got chucked in the hallway and now we're suffering because now we want to talk all the time because right. we because we were lonely and felt like separated from the group. So do you want to add anything else just before I end off? Yeah, there's a few things that I'll just echo because I yeah. think they're really important. Is The first thing is you can absolutely operate within an ecosystem and change it at the same time. Mm. I think a lot of people feel, again, because they want to do the extreme. It's like you either have to submit 
or you have to burn it down. And mm. I think that neither of those are accurate. You can operate within a school system, within the ecosystem of that educational environment, and you can also influence it and change it while you do it in a respectful way. Yeah, is, good is point. really Excellent. important. Mm-hmm. The, the two things that, that when I put my son into the school system, which were, were really kind of surprising to me, is one, to your point, the, the feedback from the teachers about how nice it was to have a, a, a parent be actively involved. Oh, yes. And that surprised me. Like, look, I have um, a, a very successful career. It could consume all of my time if I let it. So this whole thing of, well, I have work. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I made a choice where I can still be successful in my career, but also I've established boundaries at work to let them know these are things that's important to me. So I'm able to be involved. And that really surprised me when the teachers and and the administration were saying, well, we're really grateful that you're involved. I guess I was just surprised that why wouldn't you be? But also the last thing I'll point out is is the absence of fathers. Whenever there is an, uh, an event or some opportunity when parents are invited, um, I am almost always one of maybe a small handful of fathers. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm the only one. I was just about to say and, that. <laughs> and that, that's a bummer to me um, because I know how much my son loves it. I mean, I make a point of, I know most of the kids in his class, I know their, their, their name. When I go to pick them up, I don't just sort of show up and say, okay, get your bag, let's go. I'm running around, I'm high-fiving the kids. They all want to come and talk to me. The other parents are like, oh, so-and-so told me about you. And I've met more parents because of the way that their kids mm-hmm. talk about me. It's like, that's being engaged. Mm-hmm. That's wanting to be in there and get stuck in. So, uh, yeah, two. I guess the three things in quick summary is you can, in, you can operate within that environment and want to influence it without burning it down. Get involved. But as a father, get involved. It's not mm. just enough to say one of the parents is involved. No, no. You're, they want you there and mm. um, get stuck in. Yeah, I mean, I love it, Joshua. You know what I love about it? I love that when I say something, it can ring true, but then you just, I don't know, man, you add a little bit of a caveat to it and just make it a little bit more impactful. So I really loved how you you said that changing the ecosystem, because it is true. You don't just have to accept it, but there's a way of, of going about it. And you and it's never going to work when you're kind of an absent father and rocking up and shouting. You need to be engaged and involved. It doesn't always have to be to the level of what you're doing, but we do appreciate that teachers really appreciate especially dads and it is sad it's almost like an indictment on fathers because when we have fathers involved it's almost like a celebration you know it's almost like get out the champagne there's a dad involved which it really shouldn't be it should almost be like okay well great glad to have you but people really appreciate you joshua because it's not common it is very uncommon for dads to be involved we have a lot of moms involved um but unfortunately it doesn't extend to the dads sometimes so dads it's pretty simple. It's like everything in life. We can talk and talk and talk on podcasts. You can read a million things, but you know, take action. Get involved in your schools. Life. Ask the teachers, what can you do? Be there. Arrange your job so that you can spend time with your children that you can actually be involved in their school. If your job's taking you out of the equation, I would suggest start, start um, reflecting on that and seeing what you can do. Because if you are absent from your kid's education, it's definitely going to have a negative impact. And you don't understand how much, as a father, how much impact you have on that. So, Joshua... Thanks. I think we're going to probably have the 45 minutes. That's not too bad for us. I think that's that's quite a good achievement. I'll I really, call it a win. Yeah, I think I think it's small wins, you know. We're making progress, and I think that's all we have to do. I thank you once again. Obviously, uh, I was meant to have Bert on this thing, but that guy's lost his voice. So either he's having a thunderstorm or he's losing his voice or whatever. So unfortunately, Bert wasn't there. Bert. <laughs> Bert wasn't Bert's able to be burnt. 
Bert wasn't able to join me today, but I think that gave us um, a good opportunity to speak about this right before I'm going to school. And I think we'll probably have a bit of a follow-up in a couple of weeks or, or so on the topic of school because I think it's such a huge part of our, our roles as parents and such a huge part of our children's life that, like as you said, they spend like most of their time there. So, yeah, thanks again, man. Look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Yeah, and thanks to all of you for listening, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. What I would appreciate it is... Um, I always listen to guys saying this, that, you know, podcasts are for free. But what I really would appreciate is if you would share this with as many dads as you can and that you would leave us a rating on iTunes. That would be excellent. Also, go visit us on Instagram where Bird is very active and we're on Twitter and on Facebook at the Dad Syndicate and then on our website, which is being developed really nicely by Bird as well. And keep in mind that all the energy, hard work and time that you put into being the man that your family need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So be relentless. Thank you.